Do you find yourself saying you're too busy for Bible study? No more excuses. Now there's a way for you to participate in a 30-minute study from your phone, tablet, or computer from anywhere around the world. Aaron Olson of Sandalfeet Ministries teaches lunchtime lessons via Facebook Live every Thursday at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time at facebook.com slash sandalfeet. This podcast is recorded during the Facebook Live event for those who'd like to listen to the teaching again or help out in case you miss a week. So grab your lunch, your Bible, and a notepad before we begin. If you'd like to get Aaron's teaching notes, you can visit sandalfeet.org and click on Books and Bible Studies to see all the available free Bible study material. Hey, thanks for listening today, and we hope you tune in each week for Lunchtime Lessons. Hello. Welcome to this week's Lunchtime Lessons. Now, honestly, I almost didn't do a Lunchtime Lesson this week because last week we finished up the letter of 1 Timothy. And this week, I really wanted to talk about what the significance of the Holy Week is. The significance of today, Holy Thursday or Monday Thursday as some of you know it. The significance of tomorrow, Good Friday. And then the significance of Easter. Now, While I was doing this, I was thinking, do people really need to hear about this again? And I thought to myself, they do. And I thought, the only person who is telling me that people don't need to hear about this story, this account, this real life event, the only one who wants me to not talk about it is Satan. And I know this because recently I was teaching a Bible lesson to a group of young children, uh, ranging in age from you know, two years old, all the way up to teenagers. And when I asked them what Easter meant to them, they all started talking about Easter eggs. They started talking about Easter egg hunts and candy and all of these things that the world knows as Easter. And not one of them mentioned Jesus. And it kind of made me sad. I thought, we're raising a generation who doesn't know about Jesus. I take for granted that they do, that we all know about Jesus, that we know about God, but really we don't. He's not the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about Easter, when we talk about what are you doing this weekend? You know, what do you do on a Sunday? The majority of the world doesn't put Jesus as their priority. And so when I started thinking about, okay, I'll just take this week off and next week I'll start into a new book, the Bible. I thought, no, today's important. I need to talk about this. I need to talk about the importance of the Holy Week. Many of you will hear this story if you go to church. You're going to hear it if you go to church services tonight, if you go to church services tomorrow night, if you go to church services over the weekend. I grew up going to church during Holy Week. I grew up going to church Thursday night, Friday night, and Sunday during the Easter season. I grew up knowing what I should give up during Lent. Um, I learned about readings that were only read during Lent. Um, I did all of those things. I belonged to a denomination that followed that structure. And now I'm in a denomination that doesn't, doesn't follow such a structure, but still shares the gospel. And sometimes I lose a little bit of that. A couple years ago, I wrote a devotional for that reason during the season of Lent, just to take time out, to take a break, and just really to sit at Jesus's feet. It's called Sit at His Feet. And I just thought I needed to slow down and just ponder on the person of Jesus Christ. Why is he important to me? Why is he important to the world? Am I including him in my world? Are we including him in our world? Now for me, as I said, I went to church when I was younger. I went, um, I grew up 
going to that. And, and I remember it was a season shortly after I went through my middle school confirmation. And I was really on fire for Jesus. Not so much Jesus, but I was on fire for God. Let me rephrase that. I was on fire for God, the church. And I was really drawn to that place. And it was really a Monday, Thursday, back when I was a teenager, that affected my life. Um, not for the good. <laughs> I feel like I almost had my own sifting moment like Peter did on that fateful Monday, Thursday, and um, almost had an entering into just as Judas did by Satan. For many years after that, uh, something happened at the church that night uh, that really changed things for me. I can't really articulate what that was, but Satan had his way with me. And for several years after that, my life strayed from, from God. My life strayed from the church. I went sporadically after that point, um, but something inside of me had changed. I was so hot for the church one moment, and then all of a sudden I was stone cold for the church. And season had a, Satan had a heyday with me during that season. Um, so much stuff. That's a whole nother story and a whole nother topic. But I remember that day profoundly impacted me, and I think that's why I'm drawn to this season more than some seasons throughout the year, and why I think it's important, because we can learn so much from, from Jesus' life, his ministry, his earthly ministry. We can learn so much from each one of the disciples. We can learn so much from Peter, who was sifted by Satan, who Jesus said, you are going to be sifted, and I pray that you survive it, basically. And then Judas, who Satan entered into him, and he couldn't get out of that. And he, because of his guilt, he hung himself and killed himself. And so we can learn so much from all of these people. And we can also learn the importance of Easter. Now, when we're talking about this week, Holy Week, this week was what was called in the Jewish society as the the festival of the unleavened bread. And basically the Israelites were to celebrate that festival. It was commanded by God. There were three festivals commanded by God to follow and that was one of them. And it was basically for them just to set aside seven days out of a certain month of the year that they were to have no yeast in their home. Now the significance of yeast is important because yeast, once it's put into water, once it's put into a bread mixture, it spreads and it grows and grows and grows. And once you put yeast into something, you can't take yeast out of it. And so yeast in the Bible is very symbolic of sin. Once we allow sin to enter, it builds and it grows and it builds and it's really hard to get sin out of our lives. And once sin entered the world, uh, through the, the fall, sin can't be removed except by the only one who can purify it, and that is Jesus Christ. And so they were to celebrate this festival uh, seven days. They were to have no yeast in their homes, not make any bread with yeast. And it was during this event also that they were to remember the Passover. And the Passover basically was an exodus before God released the Israelites out in, from bondage in Egypt, he said that the, the angel of death is going to come over the homes in, in Egypt and the firstborn males, children, and the firstborn male animals would all be killed. But he told the Israelites to do something special, that they were to take the blood and that they were to wipe it over their doorpost. And that if their doorpost had that on there, the angel of death would pass over. And so thus began the Passover remembrance. 
So when we look at the Holy Week, the final week of Jesus's ministry, he, and along with everybody else, was going into Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover week at the, this festival at the temple in Jerusalem. And so on his final night, Jesus gathers with his disciples in, in this home that God had said would be ready, and they ate and they reclined, and he spoke of the things that were about to come. Now, in Jewish society, the Passover meal is very significant. It is, there is a special emphasis placed on children during this meal, almost a blessing to these next generation as a remembrance. The importance of it, God said in Exodus, he said, I want you to do these things so you remember the God who saves, the Lord who did this for you, that took you out of Egypt. And I want you to talk about this for generation. This is a law. This is a command I say to you in Exodus 12. He says, I command you to do these things every year and in Exodus 23 as well. And so when they did this Passover meal, the cedar, if you will, they put a significant emphasis on children. And it was always the youngest member of the family who asked these questions. And that child always preceded the four questions with this question. Why is this night different? Why is tonight, Monday, Thursday, why is tonight different? Why was that night different? What was about to happen? Um, and it was basically, he was, God during the Exodus was removing the Israelites from the bondage of Egypt, the slavery that they were in because of their sin. They were in, he was about to extradite them from that and place them on the road to the promised land. And, and so it was a, it was, um, symbolic of the Passover that what was to come in Jesus Christ, Jesus through his death, through his extradition out of this world, uh, affords us the opportunity to be removed from our bondage, removed from our slavery to sin so that we can have eternal life. So these two things are, are going hand in hand. The Old Testament and the New Testament are merging together um, to become what we know today. So they ask these four questions. Why do we eat matzah, the unleavened bread, instead of the leavened bread? Why do we eat bitter herbs? Why do we dip herbs twice? And why do we sit in a reclining position during the meal? Now, this would take a long time to explain, but those were the four questions that they would ask, and they would talk about it. You see, we are a generation who is are no longer, we're not a storytelling generation. And these stories from the Bible, these stories from our own um, salvation events, our own testimonies, our own our own stories of God's fulfillment of answered prayers for us and promises, we are failing to tell stories. We minimize things to a short tweet. God is good. You know, God came through or whatever. And we blast that out there, but we don't sit and actually talk amongst each other and talk about the good things of God. And so during this meal, they would sit and they would reflect each and every year and remember what God had done for them and what he was continuing to do for them. And so we saw that in the Exodus. And then here he was, Jesus, in AD 33, sitting with his disciples, doing the same exact thing that the Israelites had done throughout the generations. He gathered with his disciples. And I find it interesting that the cedar meal, the Passover meal, had a special emphasis on children. And here Jesus was sitting with his disciples 
who were basically his children, his followers. We are children of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is us. That is you and I, believers in Christ. That is us. And so Jesus was sitting, and he was he was talking, giving instruction, um, talking about things to come, fulfillment of prophecy amongst his children, and, and basically warning them, telling them what was about to happen. He was placing this blessing on them in a long way. He said that, you know, Peter, like I said, you would be sifted, Peter. And Peter said, right, really? Yeah, that's not going to happen. But it did. And then Judas, he said that one would betray me, and it's the one who I dipped the bread into the bowl. And sure enough, Judas betrayed him. And, uh, and, and he would come to die and then be raised again. And so he was talking of those things. He was telling them. He was basically blessing them through all of this that was about to occur because Peter, through his sifting, once he was sifted and the rooster crowed for the third time, Peter was remembering the words of Jesus that he spoke during that last supper, and he realized what he had done. And then Jesus, later after he was raised from the dead, he commissioned Simon Peter and, and said the things that he would do. And so it was a future blessing. And this is what the Jewish people had historically done. They placed a, bl a blessing on the children so that they would become the next generation, that they would be blessed and not be cursed, that they would follow the ways of God, that they would remember who God is. So it's so important. Um, there's also an Old Testament account of another meal taking place, which is hugely significant because sometimes we look at the Bible and we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and we can see how beautifully intertwined they are. And so in Exodus 24, 1 to 11, basically Moses was having this conversation with the people. The Lord actually told Moses in 24, 1, 11, he said, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You were to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and he built this altar, it says, and then he splashed the blood against the altar, um, and then they read it out loud. He sprinkled the blood on the people, and he said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of, of lapis lazuli, as bright as blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and they drank. So here was this story Moses and these others and these 70 elders, they had a meal with God and they survived. God didn't destroy them. You remember before it was, you know, you weren't allowed to see God. Um, so they sat with him and, and, and enjoyed a meal. Um, and it was at that moment that the old covenant was given during this meal that took place. And then here we have Jesus with his disciples, and he's giving his disciples the new covenant, the importance of a meal, of gathering together. Here, Moses was sitting there. They saw God. They were with, they saw God, and they had this meal with him. And here in the New Testament, we see Jesus with his people. 
Um, he was with them. He was eating with them, um, telling them of the new covenant. Um, so Jesus's words at the Last Supper, this is my blood, which seals the covenant. And that's found in Matthew 26, 28. Those were the same exact words with the exception of my that Moses spoke in this passage. It was the covenant, um, the blood that covered the covenant. Jesus was about to die, and it was his blood that established the new covenant. There's also another interesting account in the gospel accounts of this Last Supper, and there's oddly only one gospel that, that talks about this, and that's in John 13, 1-17. John tells the account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, I don't know why only one of the Gospels gives us this example. Why, or this account, why didn't Matthew and Mark talk about it? It's important. Jesus basically washed their feet, a lowly thing that only servants were called to do. And he said, um, when he said, when Jesus came to Simon Peter in verse 6 in chapter 13 of John, he said, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And then he also said, um, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So here Jesus was. He was saying basically that unless I wash you, you won't be clean. And basically it's his blood that washes us clean of our sin. So Jesus was saying, it's me. It's me or nothing. It's all or nothing. I'm the one who washes you clean white as snow. And then he also said further, did you see what I just did? If I did that for you, I'm your teacher, I'm your Lord, you should do it for others as well. So here he was, he was confirming the new covenant, love one another, love one another. If you will love one another, you will humbly serve them. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He was setting an example of a humble servant who washes the feet of his disciples. And that's what we're called to do today as believers in Christ, that we are called to do the same thing, that we are to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior because he washes us clean of our sin. He's the only one that can purify our sin. He's the only one that can remove the yeast, the sin from our lives because he washes us clean. And then we are in turn to love other people. We're to follow his command. That was his command. Love God, love others. And that was his command. That was it. That was our new law. That was our new covenant. And he signified this when he does the the um, the drinking of the blood. He says, you know, this is my blood. This is my covenant. People would have understood that language at that time because that's how they sealed treaties was through that sort of drinking uh, of the cup. And so they understood the significance of that. He also broke the bread. He said, this is my body. This is it. Now, that was a symbolic, too, of him breaking, of his, of his death, but also breaking of the old covenant, as, as was the veil when it was torn. And so he's saying, I'm the, the sinless one, the one without yeast, is going to be broken. Take it, need it. This is my body. 
And so these are very symbolic. And, and he was saying what was to come. Now, Jesus invites all people to this banquet table with him. He mentions this in the parable of the great banquet in Luke 14, 15 to 24. He talks about it. He says, I know we're going to invite some people and they're not going to come. They're going to say that they're too busy, but I want you to go and get everybody. I want you to go talk to the lowest of the low. I want you to talk to the sick. I want you to talk to the lepers. I want you to talk to those who don't, who don't have anybody. And I bet you they're going to come and join me at this banquet because they recognize their sin. They're not too busy for me because they realize they need me. And Jesus invites everybody to that banquet. It's up to us whether or not we accept his invitation, his free gift of salvation. Um, so, so much else after this takes place during the Last Supper. Uh, basically, I've covered it. Jesus said that one of his disciples was going to betray him. One of his disciples, Simon, was going to, uh, you know, say that they didn't know him, that they denied him three times. Um, and he also said some very important words. He said in John 13 to 20, Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone that I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Jesus emphasized again that followers of Jesus are to love. He says, whoever is accepted by him, by Jesus, we must also accept. We don't get to pick and choose who Jesus accepts. We love everyone. If he accepts somebody that we think he shouldn't, that's not for us to decide. God knows people's hearts. God knows who he's wooed to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. He knows who he has chosen, and he gets to choose them. They get to say yes or no, but he gets to choose them. We don't get to say whether or not they're good enough to get to heaven. That's not our job. Our job is to love. And after they finished praying, uh, after they finished eating, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He knew, he knew what was about to come, and he needed to have a conversation with his father. It wasn't unusual for him to pray. So it says, you know, like he normally did, he went to pray. So the disciples were okay, and they went along. He sat eight of them in one location, and he took three of them, for, three of them further into the garden with him and told them to wait there. And then Jesus went further into the garden to pray. He told his disciples, those three disciples specifically, to sit and stay alert. Pay attention to what's going to happen. Pay attention. <laughs> and then Jesus went and prayed. And then he came back. His disciples were asleep. He told them to wake up. He went back into the garden further to pray. And he came back again. And they were again sleeping. He went back again to pray again. He was just so distraught. He went back again to pray. And when he came back again, he found his disciples sleeping again. And then he said, oh, what, what is wrong with you? And he said, the time is here now. Let's go. And right after that, Judas came with the religious leaders and Jesus was arrested. You see, sometimes we, the church, we, the people, we, the, the followers of Christ, we fall asleep and we fail to pay attention to what's going on. We fail to pay attention to the promises that Jesus has given to us. We get sucked into the things of this world. We get sucked into our comforts, and we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not listening to what the Bible is saying to us. And um, sometimes we, we miss out on opportunities to participate in spiritual things with the Lord because we're asleep. Um, we're just not paying attention. And if we're not careful this weekend, becomes something it was never meant to be. It becomes all about 
the Easter Bunny, and all about Easter egg hunts, and all about pretty dresses, and fancy pictures, and elaborate church services, and all of these things that it was never meant to be. This day is a day, Easter is a day of celebration, because we celebrate the risen King, but we celebrate Him every single day of the year. We have the opportunity at any given moment to speak to the resur resurrected King through prayer. For those who don't yet believe in Christ, they have the opportunity at any moment to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They can do it anytime in any place. It doesn't have to be during a specific week of the year. You see, certain things in the Jewish culture could only be done during certain times of the year. People's sins could only be purified at certain times. People could only celebrate those things uh, during certain times. And, and now we have access all the time to our risen King. And anybody who calls on the name of the Lord at any time will be saved. It, you don't need to wait for tomorrow. You can do it today, right now. So Easter is important. It is so important because it is a reminder to us that the Holy Spirit draws those whom the Father has chosen to Him, and that we have the opportunity to worship and surrender our life to Jesus as our Savior. We cannot get so focused on the things of this world that we forget to talk about the things of the past world. We need to continue to talk about the things passed down from generation to generation. We need to sit with our children. We need to sit with our disciples, if you will, people who we're mentoring, people who we're pouring our lives into, and go through the Bible with them. Say, look, at this is the relevance. This is the historical evidence for what took place during the Old Testament. This is the things that they had to endure to get access to God to hope that they would be forgiven, to hope that their sacrifices would meet the required need, um, to go through all of the things, the rituals that they had to do to become pure. And us, for some reason, God chose us to live during this time where we can have access simply by saying, Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you, I give my life to you. All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We live in this generation. We need to talk about it to this generation. We need to make sure that children and adults know that Easter is so much more than an Easter bunny and Easter eggs, that it's about Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that when he has access to your life uh, through that free gift of salvation, when you surrender and you invite the Holy Spirit to take residence into your soul, that he then is in control of helping you make good decisions um, you can wrestle against the Holy Spirit within your soul and make bad decisions still, um, but that Holy Spirit will keep you on the straight and narrow path, which is very less crowded than the wide and broad path, says the Bible, that we can know without a doubt that we'll get to heaven and we will get to sit at that banquet table and celebrate with the ultimate Passover, um, the ultimate sacrifice, who is the person of Jesus one day. And that's my hope, that every single person who watches this or listens to this, is a saved believer on their way to heaven to celebrate with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings one day when you cross that threshold from here until eternity. So let me end today by praying a simple prayer um, and just inviting you uh, to just examine your heart and your life and examine how you can be used this Easter season, these next three days, to share the love of Jesus Christ. 
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, Lord, just to talk about you, to talk about what it means um, that you gave your life for each individual. Thank you, Lord, for enduring the pain, the suffering that you did, Lord, for us, for a broken world so that we can be reconciled to God the Father. Now, Lord, I pray that anyone who is listening, Lord, that their hearts would be softened, Lord, that they would, in fact, give their lives to you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. Lord, I pray that each person will be a recipient of that free gift of salvation. I pray, Lord, that many people will be filled with the Holy Spirit so that their lives can look different. Lord, that um, as we go out as Spirit-filled believers into this world, that we are not powered by ourselves and by our, our own strength, Lord, but that we're powered by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit who can do miraculous things, such as raising people from the dead, such as healing people, such as speaking words of life and truth into other lives. So, Lord, I pray that this Easter, Lord, and every day thereafter, Lord, that many would come to know salvation um, because that was your whole purpose for going to the cross. Lord, that if you didn't need to do that, you wouldn't have chosen to do that, but you did. So we thank you, Lord, that you are our example, that you give us the tools. And Lord, I pray that we would use our voice to be a storytelling generation, to remind people of the goodness of God each and every day, not just this weekend, but every day that we are alive and breathe. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us next week. I think I'm going to start digging into the second letter to Timothy. Um, haven't yet quite decided, but I think that's where I'm headed next. So I'll keep you posted on that. So watch out for that on Facebook and um, on the podcast. Have a wonderful Easter. Enjoy your time celebrating the risen King.